Coming up next, Real Israel Talk Radio, Program 21, Episode 67. His love of me is to what end? It is to receive what is praiseworthy and noble and honorable coming from him and go towards your neighbor and we are to show them the same level of love that we have received. Hello, friends. This is Avi ben Mordechai, and shalom to you once again from Real Israel Talk Radio. And on our broadcast today, I am going to continue where we left off talking about biblical love. Today, we're going to continue in our study of biblical love and try to define it the way we learn about it in the biblical texts. On the last few programs, we brought up the issue of how the world around us generally understands love and generally this feeling that you make me feel good. You make me feel warm and fuzzy on the inside. However, sometimes love is going to require that you do something that is different than what you actually feel like doing. This is what I have found in Scripture. So uh, let's get started and talk a little bit about this, okay? So on our last podcast... We discussed the issue of defining love in the Bible, and uh, we talked about the Ve'ahavta as well as the Hebrew Shema. This is based all on Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9, where we learned the last time that Shema Yisrael, Yehovah Eloheinu, Yehovah Echad, is dealing with this idea of love. And we know that because what follows directly after the Shema of Deuteronomy 6.4 is verse 5, which is, You will love, as it's understood in most English translations. However, it's not necessarily and you will love, or you shall love, but rather, He is loving you with Jehovah in all your heart. So it's not so much about the fact that we will love Him as part of the Shema and the Ve'ahavta. Rather, it's about that He is loving you or he is loving me. And that, in turn, brings forth a response. So, in Devarim, chapter 6, verses 6 through 9, we learn this. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, 
and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Now, it is interesting to note, in the days of the second temple period, when Yeshua was here on the scene in ancient Israel, the Orthodox Jewish men used to wear these frontlets all day long on their forehead. They used to wear them, and this was an all-day-long event. It's not like putting them on when you pray, and then when you're not praying, you take them off. Back in those days, they would actually wear them all day, even when they were doing their normal, everyday work. I suppose, depending on the kind of work that one was doing in the city or the town or the village. So someone would therefore look at a Jewish man, if he had his feeling on his forehead and on his arm, well, you would know he was a religious man. So dealing with Deuteronomy or Devarim chapter 6, verses 6 through 9, what I want to bring out for you here is that Moshe is actually enjoining us or giving us a command that this is what we are to have in and on our heart, that we are to teach them diligently, that is, these words, to your children. What are the words that Moshe is speaking about, that he is enjoining us so that we will never ever forget them. What are the words? For many, many years, my friends, I lived by remembering to keep God's commandments. That is, to always remember the Ten Commandments, to always remember the halakha and the laws that He gave me, and He gave all of us all those laws that are written down in the Word, in Hebrew Scripture, in the Bible. Yeah, that's what I did. I listened to those words, and I kept them. I was very serious not to break them or to violate these in any way. At least I worked very hard at not doing that. And if you ever find yourself in that similar kind of a situation where you are working very hard to obey these words exactly like I'm expressing it to you, I suggest you sit back for a moment and listen to what I'm going to tell you here, because um, this certainly was a game changer for me, and I hope it will also be for you. If we understand the Ve'ahavta from Deuteronomy 6.5 in the way that I expressed it on the last podcast, then Deuteronomy 6.6-9 through 9, is going to take on a whole new perspective and a whole new meaning for you in your walk with Yehovah. So again, let's go back to briefly understand the Ve'ahavta from Dvarim, Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verse 5. We learn from the Hebrew grammar 
as at least as I am reading it here, that it can easily be understood and translated as follows. Ve'ahavta et Yehovah Elohecha b'chol avavacha u'v'chol nafshecha u'v'chol me'odecha, which I would translate as, and he is loving you, or his love of you is with Yehovah your Elohim, or your God, and in and toward all of your soul, and in and toward all of your veriness, which is translated into English as strength, but it's really veriness based on the Hebrew word me'od, which could be translated into English as very. So this is like your veriness. So this would be understood as Yehovah saying to us in Devarim chapter 6 verse 5, and he is loving you, not so much that you will or you shall or you had better keep these words from Yehovah or else, kind of like when I was growing up, when I did something that was just uh, not so kosher in my home, well, my mom would say, uh, you wait till your father gets home. Yeah, it uh, it scared me a little bit. You know, it put the fear of God in me, you know, because my father, he didn't put up with much of my nonsense. You know, and he was pretty strict about things, and perhaps you had parents very similar. But even if you didn't, you know that if you did something that just was not right, if you came home a little bit late after they had set the time for a curfew, you went somewhere that you were not supposed to go, and you lied about it and said, well, I'm going over here, wherever here is, and then you don't go there, or you do something that you don't want your parents to find out about, okay, well, you know, you uh, try to do a little cover-up program there to make sure that they don't get it. I have all kinds of growing up war stories I could tell you, but uh, I'm not going to do that here. <laughs> but you get the idea when you're a teenager. And this is not, again, I repeat, this is not the way the all-eternal Yehovah, our Father in heaven, works with us. I don't see that in Scripture anywhere. Now, what I see is he doesn't let us get away with stuff, but he is very compassionate, very kind, very patient, very merciful, and his love goes beyond anything we can even possibly imagine. His love is so beautiful and so intense. I, I don't even think we can even describe it. To describe it is beyond us. We have limited vocabulary to describe the kind of love that Yehovah has for us. 
And we remember from 1 John 4.19, we love him. In other words, we have a response of love for him because he first loved us. That's the key. He first loved us. It's not that we loved him first and he's doing a kind of payback routine. No, not at all. He loved us and we are responding to that love. So what is Moses doing when he is speaking about these words that he is commanding us today, words that are supposed to be in our heart, words that we're supposed to diligently teach to our children, words that we are to speak about when we sit in the house, when we're getting up and walking on the road, when we're lying down, when we're rising up, even when we enter into the house, something that reminds us of the words on our house and on our gates. What are these words? I know that I'm just hammering on this idea because it was such a life changer for me when I realized personally in my own testimony that the words that I am to remember, that I am to have on my heart, that I am to diligently speak to my children about and to talk of them at all hours of the day and night. These words are coming from verse 5, which says that Jehovah, He is loving you in all your heart, all your soul, all your veriness. I mean, that's really something else. It was completely a life changer for me when I understood it that way. I am to remember this. These are the words. He is loving you. Or his love of you is found in these words. Or you could even say he is your lovingness. I think we need to really think about this. Why? This is a command. And if we do not meditate on these words, it is to our own detriment. It's to our own destruction. For example, let me take you over to a passage that you're quite likely very familiar with. This is in Philippians 4, verses 8 through 9. Let's listen to it in light of the understanding that we now have coming from the Vehafta of Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 5 through 9. Let's look at this in Philippians 4, verses 8 through 9. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just or righteous, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report. If there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, 
Meditate on these things. Meditate on them. These things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace or wholeness will be with you. So, this is really, really important. The idea of meditation in Philippians 4, 8 is dealing with an idea that is kind of like a mathematical process, uh, a reckoning to calculate something that in this meditation, it's not keeping a score of all the wrongs being done or counting something against someone. So this is a process of reckoning. This is this idea of meditation. And the Hebrew equivalent of this Greek idea found in Philippians 4.8 is coming from the Hebrew word choshev. It's actually the root where we get the modern Hebrew word for a computer. So I might say to someone in Israel, Please, if you will, I want to think about this. That's the idea of meditation in Philippians 4.8. And that is what we are commanded to do because it jogs the memory of everything in the Bible that is classified as true, noble, just, pure, lovely, a good report, virtuous, praiseworthy. I'm sure you can really grab hold of these ideas. Again, as I said earlier, this was a game changer for me, and I don't always arrive at that. Please understand this, my friends. I have flesh like you have flesh, and I don't always do this. No, I don't. I'm being very straightforward with you. I don't always do this if I don't put those words into my hardware and into my software. That is, my mind is my hardware and my heart is my software. If I do not put those words into my hardware and into my software and I don't update my software database constantly, day in, day out, I will end up hurting myself. So, it's a command that Moshe gives us from the Torah. Do this and live. So, in Matthew 22, 35 through 38, this is a teaching that Yeshua gave on this very issue. There was a scribe or a lawyer that came up to Yeshua and asked him a question Uh, actually testing him. And he said to Yeshua, Teacher, which is the great commandment or the mitzvah or the mandate in the Torah, in the law? Which one is the greatest of all the things in the Torah? What did Yeshua say to him? He quoted the Ve'ahavta, That is, Deuteronomy 6, verse 5, which is translated here as, 
You shall love Yehovah your Elohim with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind or veriness. But if we will relate to Devarim chapter 6, verses 5 through 9, in light of what I have just shared with you about the fact that He is loving you, because that's the truth, if we take that for what it's saying in the Hebrew text, I think we can therefore take Yeshua's words to mean the following. You are being loved with Yehovah, your Elohim, in all of your heart, in all of your soul, and in all of your veriness. In everything that you are, you are being loved. Or, put a different way, He is your love and your lovingness in all of your heart, in all of your soul, and in all of your veriness. And then in Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine, the next verse after the greatest of all the mandates or commandments or mitzvot that Yeshua talks about, then he quotes Leviticus nineteen eighteen, where Yeshua says, and the second is like that or like him. So we learn in Matthew 22, 39, Yeshua continues on with his thought from the previous statement, and he says to this legal mind, and the second is like him, meaning the second and greatest mandate is like him or like that thing that I just said to you. And what is that second thing? It starts off with the term ve'ahavta. And so Yeshua is not saying, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself, as though he were scolding that lawyer, that scribe, as though he were scolding you because you have failed. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, or you will love your neighbor as yourself. Oh, but I haven't loved my neighbor. Shame on you, guilt on you, shame and guilt, shame and guilt. Do you feel it? I lived with this shame and with this guilt for years, but now I have a different perspective on it because I think the Hebrew text is telling us something that is far, far deeper and far more profound. If you were to translate Matthew 22, 39 into Hebrew from Leviticus 19:18, it would read this way as I understand it. He is loving you to go to or towards your neighbor who is like you. Or his love of you is to go to or towards your neighbor who is like you. So we learn it in Hebrew, ve'ahavta l're'echa kamocha ani Yehovah. Ve'ahavta l're'echa kamocha ani Yehovah. I want you to think about those words. He is loving you to go towards 
your neighbor who is like you. So what exactly does that mean? Well, it means exactly what the Ve'ahavta means in Devarim, Deuteronomy 6, 5. What kind of love have you received from Yehovah, my friends? Think about it for a minute. What is the kind of love that you have received from Yehovah? Think about it. Meditate on it. The kind of love that He has given you is a love that is unconditional. He cares about you. He thinks about you. He wants to be your God, your Elohim. He doesn't hate you, which we will talk about after we take our break and come back on the second half of the program, okay? This is Avi Ben Mordechai, and you're listening to Real Israel Talk Radio. You're listening to Ancient Roads, Real Israel Talk Radio, Program 21, Episode 67. Welcome back to the podcast of Ancient Roads. Real Israel Talk Radio. Once again, here's your host, Avi Ben Mordechai. Okay, we're back, and this is Avi Ben Mordechai. Thanks a lot for joining us here on our podcast today, dealing with biblical love and defining it according to the Shema and the Ve'ahavta. So now let's continue where we left off. Let's take a look at Matthew 22. 35 through 38. Again, a scribe or a lawyer comes to Yeshua and he asks him a question, testing him. And he says to Yeshua, Teacher, which is the great mandate? Or what is the great mandate? Or if you will, in Hebrew, the great mandate. Mitzvah, the great connection, the great commandment that is found in the Torah, in the law. What's the greatest of all these statements? And what does Yeshua say to him? He quoted him Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, which then takes it right into the context of verses 6 through 9. In most English translations, And even Jewish publications of the Torah, when they translate this statement into English, they all say the same basic thing. Because the Jewish paradigm is to attempt to earn and to deserve Yehovah's love. That's the paradigm. I know so because I lived it that way for so many, many years. Yes, I lived that way. And it drove me crazy. It was just so insanely crazy to have to try to always, always do the right thing and please God. And if I failed, if I messed up, if I stumbled in doing it, I would just say to myself, you're in trouble, Avi, you're in trouble. Oh, yeah. And it was just so intensely guilt-ridden. My life was intensely guilt-ridden 
because I didn't do everything right, or I failed, or I this, or I that. The Jewish religious paradigm is to seek to deserve or earn by my own merits Yehovah's love for me. But that is not what the Ve'ahavta is teaching us. So Yeshua says to this great legal mind of his day, this lawyer who approaches him, so it's quoted in this passage in English that Yeshua is saying to him, you shall or you will love Yehovah your Elohim with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest mitzvah or commandment or mandate. But again, let's rephrase it in the way that I think the Hebrew from Deuteronomy 6.5 is expressing it. And his love of you is with Yehovah Elohim in all your heart, in all your soul, and in all your mind or veriness. Or you could put it another way. He is loving you with Yehovah Elohim in all your heart, in all your soul, and in all your veriness. And he is loving you to go to or to go towards your neighbor who is like you. So again, Yeshua is saying that this is the greatest of the commandments. Think about it. Meditate on it. Because I know from me, my friends, I grew up in a very, very difficult and harsh environment in my Jewish home when I was a very young boy. Many of you have had fathers and mothers or family members that were alcoholics. Yes, and even perhaps mothers or fathers and or family members that sexually abused you whether you were a little boy or a little girl, or even a bigger boy or a bigger girl, you probably have all kinds of baggage going on inside of your heart and your mind. You have your hardware upstairs, your brain, but you got your software in your heart that needs a serious update. You have to go back to the update of your software from Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 9, the same thing that Yeshua said in Matthew 22, 35 through 38, where he quoted it, and again where he said in Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine about your neighbor, which all of this is based on 1 John four nineteen. we love him because He first loved us. Or put another way, you love him because he first loved you. That is the truth. And that's why Paul says in Philippians 4, 8, that these are the things you are to reckon and think about and meditate upon. 
because these are the things that are true, noble, just or righteous, pure, lovely, of good report, virtuous, praiseworthy. These are the things that we need to think about. And that is why this is so, so important to understand. So Yehovah, through the words of Yeshua, gives us the profoundness of two passages of the Hebrew Torah that are just simply mind-blowing. And if you don't like that term, just simply say that these ideas are a game-changer for anybody when we really get into them and soak it up and let it go into our hardware and into our software. That is our mind and our heart. The heart is the software. He is loving you because if you will grab hold of that love, if you will cling to it, if you will accept it, and this is speaking to me too, friends, because I have the same issues that so many others out there have. I have not arrived, not in any sense of the imagination. I struggle with things just like you do and just like many people do. And we have to remember this, that he is loving you or he is loving me. So say it. Say it with me. He is loving me or he is my love. His love of me is to what end? It is to receive that love, to receive that honor, to receive what is praiseworthy and noble and honorable coming from him. And then with that, go out and go towards your neighbor, which also, by the way, is your enemy in Hebrew, because neighbor and enemy are the same Hebrew word. They're just vowel-pointed just a bit differently. And so we are to go to or towards our neighbor and or go to or towards our enemy. And we are to show them the same level of love that we have received. Because our neighbor and or our enemy, is just like us. Oh, yes. That person is just like us. Dirty, filthy, horribly sin-contaminated. They are going to need the same level of love and acceptance that you have received, that I have received, that we all have received by the mercy and the goodness of Jehovah. All this is so that we will recognize Jehovah's love for us, and in so doing, we will then give it out towards those who are like us, which is our neighbor and our enemy, both. That's true love. And we don't always feel these things, my friends. You and I know it together. Oh, we know it. We don't always feel that way. Sometimes you'd rather just beat that person up 
or wish evil on them because they hurt you so bad. They violated you so bad and they hurt you so bad that you're just saying, oh God, let them just suffer an accident. Let them die. Oh yeah. You don't think I've been there with those kinds of ideas and attitudes? Oh no, I kid you not. I have been there. I've said those things because the pain of my past, of my life, since I was a young boy growing into adulthood, that pain sometimes is so unbearable when I think about it. It hurts so much that all I could wish is evil upon another because I'm the victim and I wish it on the one who is the offender. And yet, if I have received the kind of love from Jehovah that I do not deserve, the kind of love that I do not deserve, nor can I merit it, therefore do the same for your neighbor and your enemy. And that's why Yeshua said in Matthew 22, 39, that the second greatest mandate or mitzvah in the Torah, that Yudhevave, your God, is loving you to go toward your neighbor who is like you, because you've received it. I do not think it is accurate to translate this text from Leviticus 19.18 and Matthew 22.39 as you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Because we've heard this over and over and over again, have we not? You just got to learn to love yourself. But I don't see that that's what it's talking about. It's not that you are to love yourself, although, I, I mean, that's a great idea. It's a great idea to love yourself, but that is not what this is saying. It's saying that he loves us. And because of that, we can love him back. And in that scenario, we are able to be a flow-through valve, a conduit, if you will, and share that love by giving it out to others. All of those who are not deserving of it, and all of those who have no merit in order to earn it, because no one can earn the love of Jehovah. So, in summary, I would like to put it this way. By asking myself the question, how is my neighbor like me. I was loved by Jehovah while I was yet a sinner, while I was yet stinking and rotten, while I was yet the walking dead, while I was rotting away in this putrefied body of sin and death that I inherited downline from Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3 as a DNA genetic genome and imprint of the tree of the knowledge of good but evil. That is the sin and death that I inherited. And I am being loved by Yehovah while in this condition. Therefore, if he, my neighbor or my enemy, 
If he is like me, and I've freely received unconditional divine love, even when I don't merit it, and when I don't deserve it, and when I have nothing to offer, then he or she also needs to receive that same unconditional divine love while he or she is still in that same condition that I was when he, Jehovah, found me. That is, a sinner. Thus, Yeshua says in Matthew 10.8, Matthew 10.8, freely you have received, freely give. And then John 13, 13 through 15, you call me teacher and master, and you say, well, for so I am. And if I then, your master and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. I would like to leave these very detailed and heavy thoughts with you and not take this any further until the next podcast. And then when we come back on program number four, we're going to address 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 13. So essentially the whole chapter of 1 Corinthians 13, where it reads, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And then it goes on, and we're going to talk about these ideas coming up on the next podcast as part of our continuing multi-part series on defining biblical love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We'll deal with that in light of everything that we've come to up to this point on the next podcast. Okay?
thank you for joining me and for giving me a little part of your day and giving me your ears so that I could show you a few things that have dramatically changed my life. And I should say, things that are in the present tense dramatically changing my life because I battle with all these things that we've talked about. As I said, I have not arrived. I'm continually learning this process. And it's not easy, as we all know. As Paul says, the very things that I don't want to do, I do, from Romans chapter 7. We're going to learn to get a grip on this stuff, not just because we have to, but because if we want to live and be alive spiritually and in the Spirit, we must Friends, we must get a grip on it, or we're going to end up destroying ourselves from all the negative talk and negative energy that we invite into our lives to create massive spiritual and emotional storms in our own lives. If you want more information and you would like to sign up for our newsletter, which goes out every once in a while, for different things that are going on here, just simply go to our website at www.cominghome.co.il. It's one word, cominghome.co.il. So I thank you so much for being with us today. Be blessed. Have a great week. And we'll see you on the next podcast of our Defining Biblical Love teaching series. We sing praises to the King, King of kings and Lord of lords. We sing praises to the Prince of Human flesh is the way, the truth, and the
Mordechai, and this is Real Israel Talk Radio. 